Let's have a look again real quick at uh, 1 Corinthians, sorry, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, if you don't mind. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. <clears throat> well, he says in verse 16, I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. So this is actually a prayer that you should pray for yourself and that you can pray for your spouse. Before you fight with your spouse, why don't you pray this prayer for them? I got very little amens on that. Uh, before, you, before you quit on a relationship that you have, before you quit on your kids, before you quit on this, before you quit on that, before you quit on that business, uh, why don't you start praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto me or unto you or whoever you're praying it for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Very important prayer to pray. This is a daily prayer. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom. What are you really saying? Reveal to me your mind. Let me know your thoughts. Reveal it by the Holy Ghost because only the Holy Ghost can reveal the mind of God to me. What is our, what are we after? Father, we want to know what you're thinking. We want to know what your thoughts are. We want to know what your plan is for our lives. We want to know what the future holds. So Lord, that's the wisdom of God. That's the mind of God. That's the thoughts of heaven. And we're to pray that we know it. So don't, so don't ever talk about God so mysterious like the religious people do. We were told to pray that we would know his mind. So he's not that mysterious, is he? Do you understand? Oh, God works in mysterious ways. Well, I understand that. But, but the but Bible says that we're praying out mysteries. So it's not supposed to be a mystery to us. Maybe they forgot to read that verse. The ones that always talk about God works in mysterious ways. Why don't you just quote them back? Well, I pray out mysteries. So I can know his mysterious ways. Another good one is, oh, his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours. Yes, his thoughts are, but the Bible told me I can know his thoughts. The wisdom of God is the mind of God. It's the thoughts of God. And I'm told to pray that the spirit would reveal to me the mind of God. That's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation according to the word of God in the knowledge of him. Praise God. Amen. Uh, that the eyes of your understanding, that's your brain. That's your, that's your mental realm. That's your soul, that's your, 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 um, your soul arena being enlightened that your mind would know that you may know what is the hope. And it goes on and on. So there is an ability for my mind to know what's going on in my spirit. And we've been talking a lot, a lot about that, haven't we? Now, first Corinthians, you already know this probably by heart now, but first Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, but it is written, eyes not seen nor ears heard, nor does it enter in the heart of man. That means you've got no clue. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. I just love this verse. I love this verse because it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, whether it's good or bad, I constantly remind myself I have no idea yet. No matter how good things are or how bad things are. Are you listening? I have no idea. It has never even entered into my process, my mental faculties. The good things. The good things the good things that he has prepared. He's already prepared it for Craig. I'm told in, 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 in what is it? Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 in the Amplified that I'm to walk out those paths and live the good life that he preordained. He already made it for me. Why wouldn't I walk? Listen, if you're not walking, if you're not going glory to glory every year in every area of your life, you're not walking in the paths that he's prepared because his paths get better. They get better. Are you listening? They get better for you. 
this is an encouraging verse. No matter what I'm, how good or how bad it is, this always encourages me because I always remind myself, it's, there's still things he's prepared for me that I don't even know about yet. There's stuff that he's got waiting for me that I don't have any clue about, which is why it's so important that I get a clue, which is why it's so important that I pray out the plan because I'm praying out what he's already prepared. And if I don't pray it out, it won't happen. And then I'm going to get to heaven and see this, what I actually lived and then see what I could have lived. You realize that you'll see that, right? You'll see a plan that was, if you were led by the spirit in every way, that's what your life could have looked like. And then you'll see what you actually lived. How far between the two is going to be for you? Some people, that's the plan. They're way over here. Other people, that's the plan. And they were right close to it. They almost did perfect. Your, your, your goal should be, I want the, what I actually live to be as close as possible to heaven's blueprint for my future. And it's possible if you'll do what it says here. So he's prepared it and he's revealed it. <laughs> he's revealed it. So don't do, oh, he's prepared it. That's great. Look at the next verse. God has revealed them done to us by his spirit. Why? For the spirit searches all the, the, all things. Yes. The deep things of God. That's the mind of God. That's the eternities of God. That's everything that's in God for your future. The Holy ghost already knows it. And he found it for you. Hallelujah. Man, you just talk about that all night. It is such a, that is beyond comprehension. What this verse is saying. He searches the deep things of God. Eternity is in God. (laughs) I'm telling you. Eternity is in God. He has searched out eternity and found things for Jessica Verisami's life. And he's already found what the father prepared for her before he even made the world. Because he said he's prepared things before the foundation of the world. For billions of years, there has been a path prepared for this moment right now for Jessica Verisami. And God's already prepared it. And it's a good life. And he says, you're my daughter, you're, you're my child. You have a right to know it. I want to reveal it so you can walk in it. Then if you're smart, the question should be, how do you reveal it? Well, let's keep reading. He has revealed them by his spirit. He's told us the avenue by which he's revealed it, but not how. He just said he's revealed it by the spirit, but how he hasn't answered yet. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, save the spirit in him. Even so the things of God knows no man, the spirit of God. Now we have received this, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know. We have a right to know the things, those things that he prepared that are freely given to us. He's not holding it back. It's not mysterious. He's not trying to bribe. We don't have to bribe him for it. We don't have to, you know what I'm saying? This is not an exchange. Well, I'll be good. So you show me, or if I do right, then you show me. It's not about that. He says, you have a right to freely know. I prepared this billions of years ago for you. It's prepared. I desire it. I want to reveal it. And by the way, you have a right to know it freely. He still hasn't told us how. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, to tell me that the avenue by which you're going to reveal it is the Holy Ghost. So I'm not even looking to my brain because it don't know nothing. I don't care how many PhDs you got. It doesn't know the mind of God. Do you understand? My brain doesn't know. It has to come by my spirit because he's revealing it by the spirit. And the spirit will only talk to my spirit because spirit can only talk to spirit. Later, it says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Spiritual can only be compared to spiritual. You can't, the Holy Ghost will not deal with your mind. He has to deal with your spirit because that's who he is. He's a spirit. So Lord, you've given me this greatness. You've given me this great plan. You said I have a right to know it. You've told me the way I'm going to know it is by the Holy Ghost who lives in me. But how? 
That's why this next verse, uh, verse 13 is so critically important. Which things we also speak. Now it's your part. I love it when people teach me my part. I know God's all powerful. I know God's great. I know God's got this all figured out. I know all of that. Now I know that he's going to reveal it to me by the Holy Ghost in me, but I still don't know what I do. If you don't know your part, you'll never win as a Christian. You've got, religion will always teach you that it's God, 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 and you just sit by the wayside and watch. That's religion. The Holy Ghost will always show you your part. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to help you. Most churches do not teach you your part. They'll teach you God's part. And you need to know God's part. But if you never ever hear your part, all this is is a big celebration of how big God is. Church is not only a celebration of how big God is. We celebrate his greatness, but it's a celebration of knowing our connection and our movement and our cooperation with his greatness so that his greatness shows up in my life day by day. And if you don't know your part, it don't matter how much you celebrate his greatness, his greatness won't show up in your life. Which things we, we, not God, we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Your brain, that's the natural man, your soul does not understand some of these things. It's foolishness to your mind, your logic, your education. It doesn't make sense. But what does it say? It's spiritually discerned. That's why you've got to be spiritual in order to spiritually discern. If you're going to get any of this, you've got to spiritually discern it. And that comes by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yes. Praise God. But we, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That means my mind, my soul can be so renewed to pick up the cues of my spirit that, that what Christ thinks for my future can be ultimately at the end of the day revealed to my thinking. It doesn't start with my thinking, it starts with my spirit. But at the end of the day, my mind can know, my brain, my soul can know what is the plan of God. And I can say I have the mind of Christ. Do you understand? A lot of people say that, and that is a very broad statement. You can say you have the mind of Christ pretty much about anything and it'd be accurate. But most people in my experience, they talk about this like, you know, let's say I'm worried about something. You know, then they'll say, I have the mind of Christ. What they're trying to say is, I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm going to walk in faith and, you know, I'm going to, but they use that phrase, I have the mind of Christ. Or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Or they don't, maybe they don't know what to do in a situation. I have the mind of Christ. That's absolutely fine. But contextually, that what this is talking about is the things that he's prepared for you that you don't know. So tech, you can use that phrase in a lot of different scenarios and it'd be absolutely fine. But the highest, the highest flow for this phrase, I have the mind of Christ, is talking about the plan of God that he has prepared for you, that he wants you to know by speaking it out, and that you eventually will have the mind of Christ to know what he wants you to do. That's ultimately what it's talking about. Keep it in the context of what the chapter's talking about. It's not talking about fear. You can use it for fear, but it's not talking about that. It's talking about things that he's prepared for you. 
He wants your mind to catch up with what's spiritual about what he's prepared for you. So it's spiritually discerned, but then your mind catches up. Do you see the connection here? Your spirit has to pick it up. It's a spiritually discerned and compared truth. But then your mind is involved. So obviously something has to get from your spirit to your mind. If your mind doesn't know it, how can your body act it out? Right? Which things we also speak. So I was saying last week that there are certain things that you will know by the Holy Ghost specifically that you will know. Let's say that are about areas that we have um, that that you have been preached to like healing. You know the mind of God on that subject. Do you not? And so we call those known promises. I have a right to freely know the things that God has for me. Part of what God has for you is going to be preached to you on Sunday and Wednesday and other times. Part of what God, so you better pay attention. Because part of the way that you're going to know the mind of God is through preaching. Part of the way you're going to know the mind of God is studying the Bible yourself. Reading books on your own. When you do that, revelation will come. That means the Spirit of God reveals, revelation, the mind of God on that subject to you in your spirit. Your brain catches up because you get revelation of it. The Logos turns to Rhema and you go, oh, I never saw that. Now you have have a right to freely know the things that have been given to you. On the subject of healing, you're going, to have, you're going to have to learn and renew your mind and get revelation in your spirit about that subject. Then when you've learned it, you need to start speaking which things we speak. Not the way the world talks about sickness, but the way God talks about sickness. Because the way they talk about it and the way God talks about it are two totally different kingdoms. So you see, we can apply this in the, to known things in English. Lord, I have a right to know freely what you've given me, in this case, finances. So I'm going to hear the word, study the word, hear the word. Other people will teach me. I'll I'll, I'll study myself and I'm going to get revealed the mind of God by the spirit to my spirit, then to my mind about finances, which things if I want this, I've been revealed now, Joe, about finances. But if I want finances to work for me, it's more than just having revelation about finances. I've got to speak about finances. So which things I speak, not the way the world talks, the natural man. Oh, it's going to, oh, you just listen to people. I mean, it's amazing how they talk and we are not like them. So be careful who you hang out with too much because you'll start talking like your friends. No, I don't talk like they do about finance. I talk with the kingdom and the Bible says that I have a supply, that I have no lack, that I'm a sower and that I'm a harvester. And that's how I talk. You see now, which things we speak, which the Holy Ghost has taught us through revelation. You understand? Those are known promises. What about unknown? What about mysteries? Things that you don't know. We're not talking about base doctrines now. We're talking about specific things for your life. Let's say Taylor wants to start a business, but he doesn't know what, when, how, where, or nothing. But he just feels it bubbling inside of him. Start a business, start a business, start a business. But he doesn't know what that means. I know what that feels like because I had that for years. I didn't know what it was until I started to what? Now I have a right to freely know the things prepared for me, the for the foundation of the world, the things that God, good things that I've made, I've got these things prepared for you. You don't even know nothing about it, great. I have a right to freely know. And it's going to come through the Holy Ghost in my spirit. At least I know how it's going to happen. But I don't know my part until I read verse 13. So let's say he's got that bubbling. He has a right to know what that bubbling means. That bubbling is not there just to tickle him. That bubbling is there to let him know I've got something prepared for you. And it was before the foundation of the world, but now it's time for you. I've waited billions of years for you to walk into this. Yeah. Now it's time. 
And you, son, are going to get it in your spirit by the Holy Ghost because he's already found it in God. And now the way you're going to get that is you're going to pray that out, which things you speak, not with your, with the word, what man's wisdom teaches. In this case, that would mean English because you don't know what to pray because it's just a bubbling. You don't know what it means. How can you pray in English when you don't know what you're praying about? So we've got this glorious option called tongues, which things we speak. I have a right to know what's bubbling. How do, I, how do I get that knowing to get up to here? So I know, oh, it's that business. Oh, it's this time. Oh, it's this occasion. Oh, it's this, it's this partner. Yeah. How do I know? Father, concerning this thing that I don't know much about, but you know all things and you're putting it, you put it in me. Concerning this mystery, I speak forth the mysteries according to 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And I start praying out that mystery with words the Holy Ghost teaches. And you just keep being faithful and don't get freaked out if you don't get an answer the first time you pray. Because it could take months. It could even technically take years. But if you won't quit, and if you'll keep praying out that mystery, praying out that mystery, speaking words which the Holy Ghost teaches. He's teaching you by the utterance of tongues. Now you don't have to pray in tongues about healing. Because he's already revealed it to you through preaching. So you speak those things which the Holy Ghost has taught you in English. And you use your dominion. But about other stuff that you don't know, it's a mystery. So you're going to speak those things which he teaches. And he's still teaching you, even though your mind doesn't know what it is. Your spirit, your spirit knows, but your mind hasn't caught up yet. So what do you do? Get your spirit moving. Get your spirit doing an action. Look at it like seed and harvest. It's the same principle. I do something and God does something. I sow finances. I get finances. I sow love, I get love. I sow in tongues for the mystery, I reap a harvest of knowledge about the mystery. It's, the, it's a principle, it works in every realm. Don't just think about it as a money thing. Sowing and reaping is everything. It works in everything. And when you sow in tongues, you will reap the revelation of what you're praying. That's your part. That is your part. The problem is people jump ahead because they've prayed for a month and then they think that I have a right to know now. You don't get to choose when you find out. You just keep reminding the Father, I have a right to know. But he didn't tell you when. So you just keep, but you'll know it. You'll know it because it will, your mind will be quickened. It will be enlightened. That's what, for, that's what Ephesians 1.17 says. It will be enlightened. Your mind, it's like a light comes on. Do you understand? That's why it says that the eyes of your understanding, your mind would be enlightened. It's like a light comes on. It's like where there was haze and darkness, all of a sudden, I know. Up here, I know. But I had to know down here long before I knew up here. But when I'm knowing down here, my mind doesn't know what it is. I just, I know I'm praying something out, but I don't know fully what it is. Are you with me? Which things you speak. I'm trying to remind you, you have a part. If you always just talk about God, 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 God. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me say this to provoke some of you, because some of you look like you like me too much, and I have to, I have to get rid of that tonight. <laughs> God forbid you love your pastor. Oh my, oh my. Uh, no, I, you, you'll like it. I mean, I think you'll like it anyway. I like it. But, uh, but, but Ed Hagen made a very interesting statement. And he said, a lot of the Christian music artists, he said, they bring you to the cross, but they stop at the cross. You listen to Christian music. You just listen to the lyrics. Nine out of 10 songs or maybe higher than that 
are all talking about what Jesus did. Oh, thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for this. And thank God for all of that. But they're just telling us what we already know. They take you to the cross and they stop. Dad Hagen said the Holy Ghost wants to take us beyond the cross. What that means is what happened on the other side of the cross. What happened on the other side was the church age which we're living in was born. And Paul wrote epistles to the church. And the epistles tell you who you are in Christ, what your part is about that name, about that dominion, about faith. Where are the songs about that? I hear lots of songs about Jesus, we love you, but where's the songs about my dominion? I'm serious. Some maybe are starting to catch up, I don't know. But Dad Hagen said, you can't really trust the Christian artist world because they don't, most of them don't have revelation as to who they are in Christ. So they only are very baby Christians and they're in the shallow waters of doctrine and they're, they're singing about what Jesus did, but they're not singing about who we are because of what he did. That's called going beyond the cross. Praise God. That's why it's important. That's why if you listen to songs authored by the Holy Ghost, I'm not saying all the groups are like that. I'm sure some of them are, especially if they come out of good churches and their pastors teaching them good things, that will come out into their music. You listen to some, you listen to Taylor stuff, you'll see it's stuff beyond the cross. It's on the other side of the cross because he's got revelation of who he is. And that, that affects on what he's feeding on. Do you understand? Hallelujah. Okay, so you, you see all this. Now, can we just have a look at this one, one scripture again? I just want to emphasize something in verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Mm-mm. That word is bethos in the Greek, and it means the depths of God. Now listen, it means the profundity. Have you ever heard of the word profundity? The profundity of God. We could say it this way, the profoundness. Profoundness is something you can't quite explain. You can't quite grasp. Something is profound. What you're saying is, man, that is far out there. I'm having a heart's deep. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. That's what this is. The Holy Ghost is searching out the profoundness of God. One day when I was praying, I heard these, I heard these words uh, in my spirit. They, they came up by the Holy Ghost, and he, he said the word eternal network. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you can hook up, son, because I was talking to him about some of these things one day, and I heard him say, you can hook up with the eternal network of the Father. Now, that's just a, a unique way that he said it to me, but he gave me this scripture. The deep things or the eternities, or the profoundness, or the, the, the unfathomableness of God. God, you can't, you can't put him in a box. He's God. Yeah. We're talking about God the Father. And the Holy Ghost is searching out the, literally, the profoundness or the eternal network of the Father. There is like a network in God, and the Holy Ghost, uh, he's in that, and he's finding things in that for us, and we are supposed to hook up with that. Do you realize, I know it's a profound thought, but you can, you as a little person, a human being, can actually connect. We talk about connecting to the net. There is a divine equivalent that is much larger. But you know how you can't fathom the internet, how massive it is? 
There's trillions of pieces of information on the internet. You know what I'm saying? You can't, your brain can't fathom how large the internet is. It is beyond human comprehension what, what these computers produce and how many calculations they compute in a single second especially the supercomputers and the different things that they're coming out with. There is a universe out there called cyberspace. Do you understand? And the internet is a network. That's why it's called the net. It's a network in that cyberspace. It's massive, but you can connect to it via a computer. And you can hook with one, and then it will give you a link to another, and then another, and then another. And that's why they say surfing the web, because you can literally sit there for hours, and then something else piques your interest, and then you go there, and that takes you another another rabbit hole, and then something else piques you, and before you know it, three hours is gone. And you started by looking for a recipe, and you ended by learning about Buddhism and, and the monks and how they surf. Or some weird, crazy thing. And you're like, how did I get surfing monks after apple pie? Well, it's a network and it's taking you somewhere. Do you understand? You all understand that because you understand the internet. In the divine, there's a, there's a parallel there. God, it, God, okay, man on a tiny planet out of trillions of galaxies, billions of galaxies has created a internet. And we think it's so big. God is God. He is eternal. And in God, there is a network trillions times bigger than the internet. But it's the same principle. There is a network in God, in the eternity of God. And the search engine ain't no Google or Yahoo. The search engine is the Holy Ghost. It takes someone as powerful as the very spirit of God to search out the network of God. Do you understand? We have Google in the natural realm, but we have the Holy Ghost in God's realm. How do I connect to God's network through the search engine of the Holy Ghost? I connect by hooking my mouth up to my spirit. My spirit is a portal that connects to another dimension. I mean, we could make a movie about this. Your spirit literally is a portal. It connects to another dimension. The Holy Ghost is of another realm. He's of another dimension. He is the bridge between the eternity of God and this realm called earth, space and time. And he, the Holy Ghost, who connects that realm to this realm, lives in your belly and your body would explode because it couldn't handle him because he's so powerful. So we gave you a spirit man that is washed by the blood of Jesus and sealed. And he lives inside that spirit and he is the connector of this realm to that realm. And he's a search engine searching the, inter, the, the cyberspace of heaven, the eternities of God the Father. And how do I access the search engine? My, I can't do it up here, Jennifer. My spirit housing this mighty Holy Ghost has to do something to hook up to him who is hooked up to the network who's hooked up to God. What does my spirit do? Tongues is the most powerful language in the world. It is far more powerful than English. Tongues allows you to access 
access that divine portal and that divine network. And God said one day to me, he said, hook up with the eternal network of the Father. Hook up with the eternal network of the Father. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost hooks me up. Now listen, you've got to hook your tongue to your spirit. That's why your tongue is so important. Hook your tongue to your spirit. Hallelujah. When brother uh, Jerry had that stroke and he couldn't remember anything and he didn't know how to say anything and the only English word he could say was yes, he could pray in tongues all day long. He didn't know who his wife was. He didn't know how to say any other word but yes, but he could pray in tongues at will. How? Because your mind and your memory and your logic and your education and you're, you're teaching you what a cat is. He didn't know what a cat was. He didn't know how to say cat. That's up in here. But your spirit bypasses your mind. When you pray in other tongues, your mind is unfruitful, unused, unoccupied. So your mind might be struggling, but your spirit. I've heard other stories of people that have been, uh, remember that one that we talked, that somebody was telling us, I think it was Wigglesworth or one of those ministers, but there was somebody, there was a lady who, uh, who was deaf and dumb. She could not speak, but she could speak in tongues. You could hear her talking in tongues, but she was dumb. She couldn't speak in English until they cast that devil out of her. Then her tongue was loosed and her mind now is working with her tongue to say words like, hello, my name is, but her spirit bypassing her mind, just hooked up to her physical tongue, even though she was dumb. Think about that. Somebody who cannot speak deaf and dumb cannot speak in English can pray in tongues because the mind is not engaged. And the reason why they're dumb is because the mind, something's wrong with the brain and it's not connecting with them with the mouth. But your mind is not occupied. It's, it's unused when you're praying in, the other, in, in other tongues. Your spirit can pray. Isn't that amazing? Now with Jerry, look at God's mercy. Didn't know anybody, didn't, know, didn't recognize anybody, didn't know anything. Oh, knew one word, yes. That's all he could say. But he could speak in tongues. But he said to me, he said, there was, other than the word, the only word he could speak was yes. But he said, the only thing I remembered So there was something he remembered other than the word yes, but he couldn't say it. He could only say yes, but there was only one thing he could remember. He didn't know his name. He didn't know who his wife was. He didn't know anything, but he knew, now look at the mercy of God. He knew one phrase. And you know what that phrase was? It's like God, when all that stuff happened, it's like an angel put his finger on that one little tiny memory nodule. And said, you're not touching that. You're not touching that. You can touch everything else. You're not touching that. You know what that memory module was? Nodule was? It was a scripture in Proverbs where it says, the memory of the upright is blessed. That's the only thing he could remember. He didn't know who his wife was. He didn't know his name was Jerry. But he, for some reason, could remember the memory of the upright is blessed. So what he did all day long, he, would, he couldn't say it, but he would think it. The memory of the upright is blessed. And he would think the memory of the upright is blessed. The memory of the upright is blessed. And when they'd say, how do you feel? Yes. Who, who is this person? Yes. He didn't know. But what he could think was the memory of the upright is blessed and he could speak in other tongues. <laughs> I'm telling you. And what, it only took a week or two 
when he got into that thing and he saw those motorcycles and all of a sudden, as he was leaving that, he started them all. And as he was leaving that, uh, he, he was walking and he said, give me the keys, remember? And he was walking with his granddaughter and she looked and she said, because remember, he was like this. He couldn't, which the left side, I guess, the left side couldn't walk and he was like this. And she said, she looked at him and his, he didn't even, I don't even know if he realized that it happened. His arm was normal. His, uh, within a matter of seconds, God instantaneously healed him and he, he, he locked the door as a cripple and within three steps, he was perfect. And his wife... <laughs> His wife met him at the door and she called because she saw him walking and he called her name. The memory. I'm just saying, tongues is such an incredible. He was praying out the plan of God for his future, which included healing. Your spirit is immensely powerful. The ability to pray and hook up with the eternal network of heaven through tongues is the greatest asset you have. So pray in tongues. Think of it differently. Think of it like you get to pray. Like, wow, this is a secret weapon. Wow, what a privilege. Wow, not, oh, I have to pray in other tongues. Wow, thank God. Lord, thank God I get to pray in other tongues. I'm kind of disappointed because it's for the church age. When you get to heaven, there won't be tongues. So you better enjoy it now because you're not going to have it up there. Your spirit will know things. You won't need tongues. It's for the church age. So you only get it for this period of time. You might as well access the heavenly realm. And that's what I heard the Lord say. He said, hook up to the eternal network of the Father, Son. But you got to hook your tongue up to your spirit. And that is how you do it. Amen. You realize that if you can hook up to the eternal network, you can know anything. Right now, if I want, I can find out what the middle name was of the Russian president from 1918. And if he had a cat. All I have to do is type it in. Russian president, 1918, and it will show me in Wikipedia, and then I can say, did he have a cat? And then they will say yes, and his name was Fluffy. I can find, listen, I'm serious. You can virtually find any piece of information from all of the combined history of humanity in your hand. It's called a smartphone. It's really a genius phone. All you have to do is type something in. I can hook up to the eternal network of the Father by the search engine of the Holy Ghost by speaking in other tongues. And I can know anything that pertains to my life and my plan. He may not show me other plans and other lives, or he may, but I, I don't have a right to those spheres. I have a right to my sphere. I have a right to know what is God trying to get over to me so that I fulfill my call and I honor Jesus in the process. And you have a right to know that. If you'll hook your tongue up. I don't think, Jenny, they're excited. I I just, no, I know you are. I'm just provoking you. I'm just provoking you. I'm just provoking you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I give you an example along these lines? Uh, And and I can give you many, many, many examples, but I'll just give you one for sake of time. Pastor Matthew got into that car accident and uh, they, they, they slammed into him at a police checkpoint driving over 100 kilometers an hour. Now, you've been there, Taylor. You know what I'm saying. It's so crammed and crowded and crazy and busy. How you even get to drive 100 kilometers an hour, I don't know. Because we didn't. Right, Willie? We, we never hit 100 kilometers an hour on those roads because you'd run people over if you hit a car. And then when they have those checkpoints, they're at very busy intersections. When they had those checkpoints, they were, there's a lot of traffic. in the, how somebody didn't see the checkpoint and is driving more than 100 kilometers an hour, didn't, like, oblivious, and then hit the back of him 
square on. To me, that, that, I don't know how that happened. Because it's almost impossible. Here, it's very possible. There, if you understand what it's like there, it's very unusual for that to happen. And so, but that was a strategy and attack of the devil. To kill him, uh, <laughs> to kill him before I came. Because yeah. the devil's trying to abort things. And if he can kill Matthew, he can severely hinder our work. Do you understand? And not only that, but then, of course, he didn't tell me this until I got there, but one of his closest friends who was helping run preparatory work before he arrived in Africa, one of his dear friends who I met and who I thought was a very nice man, and I'm sure he is a nice man to some degree, but that man, see, the devil will often come through people that you trust. And he will, the closer they are, the harder it hurts when they, yes. can, when they hurt yes. you, right? So he, the, that man, devil got a hold of his mind. Now, I'm trying to teach you something, so pay attention, because don't just disconnect now because I'm telling you a story. There are principles in this that can help you. And in fact, the Lord told me to share this example tonight. And he, I know it, I, I don't know who it's for, but I know that if you'll listen, there's somebody here that this is very important. You connecting dots. To what I'm saying for your personal life, this is important. Now, what happened with that man, I won't say his name over the air, but what happened with that man, and he's a nice man. He's a good man. He's a senior pastor of a church. A spirit of jealousy got a hold of him. And now, you, now listen, uh, there's somebody in this room that you need to listen very carefully because I can't connect dots for you. You have to connect dots yourself. Uh, jealousy got a hold of him against his man of God. And the spirit started speaking to him, real gentle, real soft, real subtle, about why should Matthew be exalted? Matthew's does not educated. Matthew has not served Liberia for over 12 years. What's so special about him? You're, you're just as good. Your anointing is just as powerful. You've got a church bigger than his church in Wilmington, Delaware. Why should God promote him? You see how the devil works? You've got to be spiritual enough to recognize those thoughts. A spirit of jealousy comes very soft, very subtle. Miriam and Aaron also had that spirit come on them, and they started giving vocalization to it and started saying, why should Moses be the only one to prophesy? We've also got the anointing. You read it in the Bible. And God, see, God in the New Testament does not do things he did in the Old Testament because we're under a different dispensation of grace. In the Old Testament, he just smoked you. No, I'm serious. God had not, did not have tolerance in the Old Testament like he does today. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so God struck Miriam down with leprosy instantaneously because she opened her mouth. What was the big infraction? Why should Pastor Craig? I'm just as anointed as him. I've seen miracles happen through my ministry. I've seen God use me. In fact, I'm older than him. I've got more experience in life than him. What's the big thing with him? You better watch it. That's an evil spirit. That's your flesh yielding to an evil spirit. You don't even know it. And when that happened with Miriam, because it was a different covenant, God struck her. You say, how come God didn't struck her, her, her brother? Because the anointing on him in an office protected him. But later on, when he went up to the mountain, and they took off that robe. The Bible said instantaneously God struck him dead. Yeah. 
So that meant the robe of the high priest, which speaks of an office, it represents an office, was protecting him even from spiritual sins and the judgment. See, Miriam didn't stand in an office. She was a prophetess, but she didn't stand in an office like her brother did. Do you understand? Standing in an office can protect you from certain things. That doesn't mean you get away with it. It just means you get away with it longer. How many ministers do I know that sleep around, do this, do that, and they get up and miracles still happen? The anointing is still on them because his gifts and callings are without repentance, but God's mercy will eventually run out. If they don't repent, they're going to die young. And and I've heard and seen through the years and through other ministers around me that happen on a number of occasions because the mercy will extend for a while, but once you you go past God's system of mercy, that, that what happens is sickness usually comes on those people and they die prematurely. Do you understand now with Aaron, there was mercy because of his office, even in a lesser covenant. But when that office was removed symbolically by the robe, the power of God hit him and he would drop dead on the mountaintop. So I'm just saying Miriam and Aaron got into jealousy and competition with the person that God had connected them with and asked them to serve. It is very important. No matter how big you or not think you are or what you've done or what your past is or where you've served or where you've gone or what you've done, it is very important. Or what miracles you've seen, it's very important. You do not get in competition and jealousy with me if I'm, if I'm called to be your man of God. And it don't matter if I've seen some things. Pastor Nancy's got a lot more fruit in her ministry than me. She's seen a lot more miracles and healings. But on some occasions, I've seen some pretty amazing things at my own hands that God has done over the years. Not in quantity like her, but there's some quality miracles I've seen which are quite astounding. And I, and, and, and you see, the devil will try to, well, well you, you've got a strong, you've got just as strong anointing as her. You see, watch that, mark that. Anything that puts me on the same level as her, it's from the devil. And I answer, as, no, 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 no. I don't care if I've raised 20 people from the dead. It don't matter if she's never even healed a headache. That is not the issue. The issue is God asked me to submit. I submit. And there's no jealousy and there's no competition between me and her, period, ever. I, I forbid it. But until you get to that place, you're susceptible. And Miriam and Aaron were susceptible. Miriam was a prophetess. She sang and danced after the Red Sea. God used her. Aaron was a high priest. The anointing was on him. God used him. And even though they were anointed, they were not to contend with the higher anointing. And that was Moses who was their baby brother. Naturally, he was under them, but spiritually he was far above them. Do you understand? You might have a great thing. Your ministry might even grow larger than mine in the future. But if there is a divine order and God has asked you to submit, you guard your heart about jealousy and about competition and pride. Now, I don't know who that person is. I don't know if they're watching. I don't know if they're present. But God said to me, tell that story about Pastor Matthew because there's somebody that is dealing, that, need, that needs to deal with that thing. And they have not yet dealt with it. And if you don't, it's going to rob you. Hallelujah. So this man, good man, senior pastor, I know him, I like him, he's a good man. He, that spirit started speaking to him. And of course, now Taylor, if his flesh had been crucified, he, he, the spirit wouldn't have much place to go. But because he's already got some pride there, and he's already got some insecurity there, and he already probably is naturally competitive by his personality there, that spirit is jumping on what he's already weakened. And instead of withstanding it and saying no, he started to engage those thoughts. And he started getting jealous. And he started getting jealous. And he started getting jealous. But Matthew 
is connected to the eternal network of the Father by the Holy Ghost. And he has a right to freely know all things if he will pray. And so he started praying. And God started telling him in December last year, before he even got there, told him the man's name and said, beware of this man for the devil is trying to take his heart. So he got there already knowing there was a warning. But at first it didn't look like anything was happening. But you see, the Holy Ghost knows even when you're faking it, the Holy Ghost knows what's really happening inside you. But then now, this May is coming. He came there in January, end of January. Now May is arriving, and now this big conference is coming, and now people from all over the country are coming, and now I'm coming, and now the devil, there's an open door, there's many adversaries. The devil says, I've got to stop this. So he causes the car accident, but God preserves his life. Then the devil says, well, I'm, I'm not done yet. Let me try. Listen, I've been grooming this guy for months now. Let me use him. Right. Yeah. So now let's think about this. So because of that jealousy, that competition, jealousy, proud spirit, yeah. that senior pastor went to a witch doctor, yeah. paid money to the witch doctor and said, give me a curse that I can transfer to Matthew to cause him to have a debilitating stroke. I need him silenced so that when Pastor Craig comes, the whole thing is kiboshed. Do you see how this, that spirit can get you to, woo? So the witch doctor, there's different ways they curse, but one of the ways is they'll give you a physical item and, and you have to put that item and they'll tell you where you have to put that item. In this case, the item had to be given into his hand. That's the way that the demons operated in this particular curse. So he had to get Matthew to take that item in his hand. If, if he couldn't just put it in his pocket, he couldn't just rub it on him or throw it at him. If he didn't take it with his hand, even unwillingly, yes, but his hand had to take it. He had to take it, otherwise that curse would not work. So the pastor started thinking, how do I get him to take this in his hand? So he said, I know what I'll do. I'll hide it in my hand and I'll stretch out my hand to shake his hand. You know, like you do with a Pentecostal handshake. Why don't we do one right now? A Pentecostal handshake. You don't got any Pentecost in your hand, but, 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 but let's just say, uh, this is your, I'd like a 20, but we'll use this instead. Now, if you've got a 20 there, a Pentecostal handshake is you do that. Now you can feel that. And then what they do is you just take that when you let go. We can all practice after service tonight, if you'd like. But with me, not, not, not with anybody else. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so he wanted to do a, what I call a witchcraft Pentecostal handshake with Pastor Matthew because that he had to have him in his hand. Different curses require different things. That one particularly required his hand to take it. And so he reached out. But listen now, because he's got a, an eternal network with the Father. He prayed. He's been praying. He prays every day. And the Holy Ghost said to him, now, God actually used another person who he did not know. God could have just spoken to his own heart. But a man who he did not know very well came, another minister, and prophesied to him and said, on Monday, the first person you see, do not shake their hands, says the Lord. Now, at first he thought they were crazy because that sounds like a strange, remember he told us, Willie, that sounds like something unusual. So he went to pray about what this man had prophesied because at first he thought this is nuts. And the Holy Ghost said, listen to him. So God can use other ways. 
And so Monday morning, he's at the place getting, you know, the little yeah. building and he's working. He's the first one there. And lo and behold, this pastor that he didn't know what was going to be. He just knew that God had warned him before he came about that pastor. But that pastor is walking up and he says, Lord, Lord, really, Lord, really? And, but Lord, see, now, see, the eternal network of the father had already got over to him the mind of God about what to do in that situation. He didn't know there was a curse. He just knew don't shake his hand. So he put his hand out. He had the curse, that object in his hand. He put his hand out. And Matthew said to me, Dad, he said, I didn't want to offend him because, in other words, Matthew doesn't know what's going on. He just knows don't shake his hand. So he said, I made sure I had stuff in my hands so that it was easier for me to reject his handshake. And as he put his hand out, he said, hey, brother. And he, and he did this with his elbow. And the other man did that with his elbow so he didn't touch his hand. Went about doing his job, got in his car, left. Within 48 hours, the curse that was on that object, because it has to go to someone, because it did not go to Matthew, it fell upon the pastor who paid the witch doctor. And he had a debilitating stroke. Uh, his entire body paralyzed, cannot speak. And it happened two days before I arrived in the hospital. Can you imagine the loss to his church, the loss to his family, the loss to his children, the loss to the body of Christ? So I'm sitting, I'm trying to help you with this. So I'm sitting there while he's telling me this incredible story and I feel something going blah, 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 blah. Now I know the bubblings of the spirit, but I don't know what that means. What do I do? Mashtahashti, koba. I I hook my tongue up to my spirit so I can figure out what is that bubbling about. It took me a couple days to pray that out until finally the knowledge came to my mind and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. But I had to pray that out before he spoke to me. And then I heard the Holy Spirit in my heart, not not the inner voice, the, the, uh, the authoritative voice of the spirit. And I heard him say, I will heal him. Oh my God. He's so kind. I will heal him if he repents of his sin. And we did not physically, remember how busy we were, Taylor? We did not, we were six hours a day in the car just going back and forth to meetings. We just physically, you don't understand, there was not, we did not have one hour, not even one hour to go to his, to the hotel, the hospital. They, 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 he's, he's in palliative care. You can't do anything. Like you, you can't, they can't help you. So they dismiss you. It costs money to be in the hospital. So now he's in his home and his wife's taking care of him and he's, he's basically incapacitated. But we didn't even have an hour to go to that home. So I said, Lord, if you're telling me you'd heal him, I can't get there. What do I do? He said, lay hands on a cloth. So I took that cloth, Jay, I felt that power coming out of my hands going into that material. I mean, it was charging that like a battery. And I gave it to Matthew and I said, now you got to go. But the condition is... He has to repent of his sin. That means he has to acknowledge what he did and not just shove it under the carpet or say, oh, well, I don't really know. He said, but pastor, he said, dad, he can't speak. I said, do the I thing. Have you done this? One blink, yes. Two blinks, no. Did you go to a witch doctor? Did you try to curse me? Do you repent of that? One blink, yes. Two blinks, no. And I said, and if he does that, and he repents, even with blinking the eye, yeah. the power of God will heal him. Yeah. Notice how Matthew was aware of the problem by praying in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Notice how before I went on that trip, the devil tried to kill me with that person coming out when I was driving 100 kilometers an hour. And I went through, I don't know, the angel, I looked down, the thing was moving on its own. Oh, wow. 
That angel steered that car. I, I could not do it. It's impossible. I would have hit the, the bridge or I would have hit him. I know. I, I just know. I know my skill level. I know I couldn't do it. And as I'm going ah, like that, because I braced myself for impact. And as I'm going, ah, I don't know why, but my eye, you don't look down. You're looking out. But for some reason, my eye glanced down and the steering wheel's turning by itself. But how did that happen? Because she connected to the eternal network of the father the week before. And as she was praying along with her brother, the words came out. There'll no accident, no accident. There'll be no accident. See her tongues. Now she's interpreting her tongues. No accident. And then nobody will die at the hands of the fields because that guy I'm sure would have been killed because I would have hit him square on his driver's door very fast. Nobody, see, so God was delivering that idiot's life and God was delivering this idiot's life and God was doing it all because she hooked up to the eternal network of the father. Now, let me finish the story. I'm aware of Matthew's accident and I'm aware the devil's got his feelers out there, but we have so much more dominion. He's a fly against a hurricane and that's really what he is. He might be a big fly. He might be a horse fly because he's the Lord of the flies, but he's a fly against a hurricane. Have you ever seen a hurricane? And have you seen a fly? I'm telling you, that's us compared to the devil. And you've got to think of it that way. So I'm aware that his feelers are out trying to hurt me, trying to hurt Matthew. And Matthew gets in that accident. He's in the hospital. He's in tremendous pain. His whole body is racked with pain. He's got a, a problem with his head. They don't know if there's swelling in the brain. I mean, for a couple days, it was serious after he got hit in that accident. And I'm praying for him in, in Aaron, and he's in Liberia because there's no time or distance in that realm. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm just teaching you, I'm connecting now to the network of the Father by the Holy Ghost, praying for him. Now listen, I'm praying, I'm praying, and I'm expecting God to reveal something to me. I'm expecting a word, I'm expecting an answer, and there was nothing, nothing but peace. So after a, a while of praying, then I, then I realize I'm trying to teach you that when you connect, you, you can be led by the Spirit, not just with an inner witness. Do you understand? Not just with an inner voice, not just with the still small voice of your Spirit, not just with a word of prophecy or a vision or a dream or whatever. You can just have peace. And it took me a while praying, but eventually there was just nothing there. And I said, Lord, I don't know why. I just, there's peace. I just have peace. I'm praying for him, expect, I know this is a serious situation, but I just have peace. And the Lord said, then he spoke to me because he's teaching me what I'm, I'm trying to learn. And he's teaching me and he's saying, I'm letting you know by the peace that everything is going to be fine. You don't need to pray anymore for him because everything is going to be fine. Just speak to his body. So I spoke to his body from Aaron and I said, Matthew, I'm speaking to you, my son, in the name of Jesus. I command that pain to leave you. I command the problem with your head to be healed. I command it in Jesus' name. But you see, the anointing is on me to do it. And the next day, he was released from the hospital. All the pain left him overnight. The head thing came back clear. The MRI came back clear. The CAT scan came back clear. But you see, uh, you can be praying and he can reveal things to you as you pray. Sometimes you're praying, he doesn't reveal anything because there's nothing to reveal because as far as God's concerned, it's done. Do you understand? But you see, you can hook up to the internal network of the Father about that. Can I say one more, 902, just one more example before I go, because I want to finish this section, and I had this example here. You know, you can, uh, you can hear, the, you can, so I'm just saying that one was, oh, I forgot, I put it in my notes, I started to laugh. 
There was peace, but then a bubbling of joy came. And then the Lord said to me, it's done. I don't have to do more. It didn't even take an hour. No, maybe other people were praying for him too. But my role, see, you're not the only person praying sometimes. You have a role. I have a role. Other people have a role. Just do your role. And when, and if there's, if there's no instruction, no word, no, nothing dramatic, but there's just peace, you know, it's done. And then mix that with that note of victory and that joy. And then you're done. But that's all connecting to the eternal network of the father. I'm using that example because there's so many examples that are more dramatic, but that example was a very non-dramatic one. I do all that praying and there's nothing, but that nothing mixed with peace though. And then a laugh and then a joy just let me know, oh, Lord, you're letting me know by just this sense of peace that everything is okay. Right? Now, let me give you one more is that if you have a bearing of witness, there was a situation that I had some time ago and I didn't know how to handle it. And there was a situation God told me to do something for somebody. And so, but, but when I had that, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't like a, how did I write this in here? I want to get it right. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, when, when I had it, it was an, an acknowledging a yes. Uh, I, I, I want to say it's not a thus saith the Lord. Do you know when you know to do something, but it's not a thus saith the Lord. Do you understand? You just know it. So I knew I had to do something for this person. This person is in the States. I knew I needed to bless them and do something, but it wasn't a, it was just kind of, I just knew it. It was just kind of an inner witness. Maybe the still small voice of my spirit. I don't even remember, but I just knew it. Something happened though. And, 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 and there was a, there was a change. I can't give specifics, but there was a change in the parameters of my relationship with that person. And that's all I'll say. And so then I started questioning, should I do that? Because the change of the parameters have happened. And so I didn't know what to do and it could have lasting effects. So I called Pastor Nancy and I said, Mom, I said, this is a scenario. These is what the original parameters were. And I had a knowing. So I was going to step out. Now this has happened and it's changed some of that. Now I don't know if I should do it anymore. So, and I just thought I would share this as an example because we're talking about being led by the Spirit and this really helped me. She said, Pastor Craig, was it a thus saith the Lord? And I said, I don't think so. It was just a knowing. She said, if you have a knowing, listen, this will help you. If you have a knowing, proceed within the current status quo parameters. But when the parameters, if they change dramatically, do not proceed with that knowing. Because the knowing was for these parameters. The knowing was not for these parameters. And she see, that's called skill. She said, now you need to pray based on these parameters, not these parameters, and see if you get a knowing. She said, however, if you had a thus saith the Lord, a strong, authoritative command from God under these parameters, and they change, you don't need to pray anymore. God already knew what was going to happen. And he gave you a loud, strong, clear word, knowing the parameters would change. You don't need to pray anymore. Just keep going. But she said, if he didn't give you strong and you just had a knowing, but it wasn't so strong and now something's changed, wisdom would say, go back to pray. So I did go back to pray. 
And then the Lord, then the Lord spoke to me and he said, based on the change of parameters, do not proceed the way I, you felt in your heart to proceed. Not at this time. And I said, Lorna, what do you mean by not at this time? He said, you're going to proceed, but not this year. Now, he didn't tell me what year. He just said, not this year. But you see, now that's instruction to me. See, if I, I'm glad I had called and asked her. Because if it's kind of light, but yet what you're going to do could have far-reaching effects. And then something drastically changes with the status quo. You'd be wise for you to pray again. And in that case, God said, don't do it. Because he knows that there would be a, tr- a problem if I did. And I, I can't say any more than that. But he said, not at this time. That's the key. That wasn't means he forbids me to do it forever. And then I said, what does that mean? And he said, not this year, which means he didn't tell me which year, but that means I'll pray about it again next year and say, now, Lord, can I do this for this person this year? Is it okay now? And then he'll, he'll show me what to do then. But if I had a loud, bold, do this, son, God already took into account the change of parameters. Now to question him would be, would be unwise. Just move forward. So it matters the strength of the instruction. Are you listening to me? A lighter instruction might require secondary, not because you're doubting, but because things outside your control. See, I'm not doubting, Greg. Outside my control, things changed. Then I can recheck. Don't, don't, don't. If everything stays the same, you don't have to keep rechecking. That just means you're doubtful or you're stubborn or you don't want to do whatever God's asking you to do. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if things change and it was a light knowing, you better pray because it, it could come back on you. But if it's a strong instruction, even though things have changed, God knew that. That's why he gave it to you so strong. Because he wants you to move forward. Hallelujah. There's a lot of skill to learn sometimes with these, the nuances and the intricacies of the leading of the Spirit. And really, it is such a vast subject. Whatever I'm sharing with you, even though this is part 11, it's just like, scratching the surface of the, of, of, of the iceberg because this is something you could t- teach on literally for years and never exhaust it because it is so laden in the scriptures and in our ex- personal experiences. It is so laden with richness. So, but I can't do it for years. He just said, do a series on how to be led by the spirit because it's such an important thing that you keep reiterating for the congregation to start becoming more skillful in. And can I also tell you, when I teach on it, it helps me to become more skillful with it, right? Because it keeps it before my eyes and it keeps it before my heart. And, and sometimes God will even teach me things as I'm teaching. I'm not stupid. I don't tell you, hey, I just learned that right now. I don't, I don't do that. I let you think that I knew that before the foundation of the world. That this little beard is really wisdom. That the white in here is wisdom. I let you, I don't, I don't tell you, oh, by the way, that point, uh, I just learned as I'm preaching. I, I, I tell my wife, and she'll come to the back and go, you know the third thing you said tonight? You didn't know that at all, did you? I said, nope, never heard of that in my life. I heard that in my spirit while I was preaching. I said, but I'm not telling those people that. Let them think I knew it forever. <laughs> Praise God. Anyway, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great privilege, the great pleasure, the great joy 
of this thing called being led by the Holy Ghost. Lord, we so rely on Google. We so rely on the internet. We so rely on this natural realm. But Holy Ghost, we have you as the ultimate search engine of heaven that is searching the eternal network of the Father for us. And we have a right to freely know it. And if we would just hook our tongue up to our spirit and pray out those mysteries, Holy Ghost, you will reveal and show to us in manifold ways, sometimes by peace, sometimes by an instruction, by a word, Lord, you will show us what to do in a given situation. That gives me great hope because I know no matter what I face, I've got the genius inside me and I never have, I could make a mistake, but I never have to make a mistake. It all depends on how much I yield to the Holy Ghost. And no matter how good or bad my life is today, I have hope because you said, there is things for my future and there's things for their future sitting here today that have never even entered their consciousness. They are things that you have prepared for them because you love them and it's a good life. And if we will just pre-speak those things out in the mysteries of heaven by the Holy Ghost and tongues, Lord, what you've prepared will be revealed to us. Our minds will catch up and we'll be able to walk it out and we'll live as Ephesians 2.10 says, the good life that God has prepared and made ready for us to live. Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Oh, what would we do without the Holy Ghost? I remember the song Keith Moore wrote, thank you Lord for the Holy Ghost. He's my comforter, my helper. On him I do depend. Thank you Lord for the Holy Ghost. In Jesus name, amen. Be richly and abundantly blessed, amen.